What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, joined by my co-host, Will Lomas, and we're here to recap the Titans' first preseason game of 2022. Unfortunately, they ended up falling to the Baltimore Ravens 23-10, to uh, but I really shouldn't feel too bad about it. I think the Ravens have won like 21 straight preseason games, I think it is. I'm not totally sure on the exact number, but... There's just a preseason machine. John Harbaugh gets them going. They always have good depth, and they're always a well-coached team. Uh, but we don't really care about the score. Preseason scores don't necessarily matter. We care more about how certain players uh, performed. So we're definitely going to talk about Malik Willis's performance, given that he started this game. We're going to talk a little bit about Traylon Burks, um, who a lot of people were kind of down on him because of this game. But we actually have evidence to support that he played pretty well. Um, so we're excited to t- talk about all that. Uh, before we do, kind of just wanted to get your thoughts, Will, uh, on the game as a whole. Uh, do you think there were any real warning signs or just, you know, another preseason game where you're where they're trying to get some guys um, some playing time early on? No, I don't, I don't think there's any big takeaways to, uh, to really come away with. Um, there were some like minor things that were interesting, like instead of starting Corey Levin at center and Aaron Brewer at left guard, which I thought made the most sense. They started with um, Aaron Brewer at center and then uh, Jamarco Jones at left guard, which I, you know, okay, like that's, that's fine. But that was kind of a weird thing that you don't put him there and kind of see like him versus the Ravens top guys while you had the chance. Um, then, Uh, There were there were small things like just the fact that like just starting Malik Willis in general was like an interesting thing because to me it signaled that they were going to be more aggressive and I don't necessarily think that they were. So I don't know, like it it felt like there were some half measures or some weird things that they wanted to take a look at. But at, at the end of the day, I don't I don't think there's much to take away from this game in terms of like we know more about the team now than we did before we went into it. Yeah, um, 
I agree. Uh, th really, there weren't too many notable things. Uh, what I found a little bit interesting was that Farley and Fulton were playing pretty much with the backups in the first quarter, and then Fulton got taken out, and then Farley was still playing um, into the second quarter. Uh, I, I don't know if that really means anything. I don't, I don't know if there's anything to take away from that other than they kind of want to get them some playing time given that they're coming off injuries, um, kind of knock the rust off ahead of the regular season. Um, do you think there's anything to, to look into with that, or do you think that's just what it is? I mean, I think they just want – Farley in the same thing with you know Burks and some of these other guys too is I think the guys that they're going to rely on during the season that didn't get uh that didn't get a lot of play a, a lot of um time in the regular season because of injury or whatever like specifically with Farley like you know we all know his injury history and all that but people forget that he sat out 2020 because of COVID and then he was injured before that and missed a, a whole year, I believe with an ACL injury of like in 2018, I think like, I think 2019 was uh, the longest he's played. And he also converted uh, from wide receiver to corner. I'm 98% sure. So he just has not played corner very long uh, at any level. So to play at, you know, to play in college in the ACC, okay, like that's that's fine. It's not as close to the NFL as the SEC is, so there's going to be an even bigger jump for him than some of the other guys. But then he gets injured again, and he also missed. It's it, it's a lot of time not playing corner, and you can answer things on on the chalkboard all day. And supposedly he does, and and you know Vrabel loves that and has praised him over and over, and he's bigger and stronger now so that's all positive but you want him to get that muscle memory in so I, I don't think it's anything other than you know let's get the young guy reps yep I agree um a couple other things that stood out to me well not really stood out to me but Julius Chestnut playing so much was was kind of weird um I don't know if there was really any need for that uh, I don't think he's gonna make the team um, but a lot of these guys aren't. But I would have liked to see a little bit more of Hassan Haskins. Uh, he just looked better, to be honest, even though the numbers might not show it. Um, he looked better, and I thought he looked pretty smooth as a pass catcher, uh, which is good news if he's going to you know, have to fill in for Derrick Henry in case of an injury uh, or something like that. Uh, I also saw liked what I saw from Demarcus Walker early on. He was playing a good amount. Um, he was kind of making his presence felt. Uh, among backups, of course, it has to be said, but I think he's kind of starting to cement his place on the roster. I, I, I didn't. I think Murchison played, but he played late, um, yeah. if I'm correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Walker has, has beaten out Murchison already. I don't know if there's much else Murchison could do to even get one of those depth spots. Yeah, I just— I think they love Walker and I think he's for, for whatever reason, I don't think he's bad or anything, but I also don't think he's like, you know, it's not like they went out and signed Justin Houston in the middle of the season or in the middle of the off season. And uh, I, I don't know. They, they like him. He looked fine. Um, he, he's bigger than I thought he would be on the field. Like he looked like wider, um, but he did, he, you know, he played everything right. Like it, I, he, played backside like he played the quarterback if there's a boot and all that like he wasn't cheating trying to make a play so that tells me that he's pretty comfortable with his role and he's not trying to go out and make every play boom or bust to try to make the team so you know you like that comfort level and 
I, there's something to be said about having guys like Walker and Weaver who both can play that Danico Autry, like sometimes I'm a defensive end, but I can also be a defensive tackle if I need to kick inside and, you know, for some nickel looks like I, I've got versatility. I can also be a, a heads up, you know, six technique on a tight end if y'all want to play it that way. So you can put Harold Landry on the other side. Like I, I, I like having those kind of guys because it gives you more options, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's at this point, I think there's five defensive linemen. If you call Danico Autry a defensive lineman and you call Rashad Weaver an edge, I think there's five defensive linemen that are locked in and it's uh, pretty much everybody that I've named. So and Murchison's not on that list. So unless something changes that that's the way I see it going down. Yep. And uh, I also liked what I saw from the returners in this game. Did a really good job. Phillips had a good punt return. Racy McMath even chipped in with a good kick return. Um, and then I think Cannon and Godwin had some decent returns as well. So that's good news, especially after we had a couple of seasons where the return game was just horrific. So uh, hopefully it seems like that'll be solved. It already kind of was last year, but it seems like we have a lot of good options uh, this year. So we're going to take our first quick ad break uh, of the episode, and then we're going to come back and talk about Malik Willis and Traylon Burks' first game with the Titans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back in to No Nonsense, Tennessee Times podcast. Uh, I think what most people are going to want to hear about is, is Malik Willis' performance, how he did in his first game. I personally think it, think it was a mixed bag, probably more on the negative side, at least for me. Um, I just thought he was a little too tentative with a lot of things, just wasn't pulling the trigger, and he was too too quick to, to kind of scramble. You know, he, he wanted to evade the pocket and run, and, and that's okay. I mean, listen, he's a third-round rookie. Um, there's going to be growing pains. He, he has a lot of stuff left to work on, and, and his development is still in progress. Um, but I would have liked to see him, you know, kind of just let loose a little more because every time the Ravens had the ball on offense, Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown were giving their guys their big receivers chances uh, on these jump balls, contested catches. Uh, and we really just didn't see that from Malik Willis, which was kind of kind of frustrating, I think. Um, but I'm not panicking, of course. I'm not even expecting him to, to play at all this season. I'm expecting Tannehill to be the starter from day one and up until the last game of the season. Uh, so not panicking, but I would have maybe liked to see a little bit more from him uh, as a passer. How would you – you don't have to put a letter grade on it, but how would you grade his his first performance as a Titan? Yeah, it's weird because it's like in my head, it's more like, you know, a curve, like the beginning of the game. I thought he did, you know, pretty bad. Like he was he should have thrown it to I think it was Racy McMath on uh, that play action boot. And he stared at him and stared at him, and stared at him. And then he rocketed it to Tory Carter, who was two feet in front of him. And, 
you know, that, that was, that was a very, you know, not ready for the moment kind of play, which happens. I mean, he's, like I said, you know, he's a rookie, like that's not terrible, but I think he started off 0 for 3 and he almost threw an interception to uh, whoever was covering Kyle Phillips uh, on, on an out route, which I thought was a weird play call anyway, but you know, that, that was bad. And then I don't know if it was the next drive or what, but all of a sudden he ends up with, and this three play stretch spans over two drives, but he ends up with the touchdown run, the sidearm pass and the racy McMath pass. And those were fantastic. Like if you can get eight of those plays a game, you know, that's, that's a pro bowl quarterback. Like it was, those plays were that special. And uh, the Mason Kinsey route on uh, for like 20 yards in the two minute drill was great too. But then uh, later he gets, he holds on the ball too long and he rolls out and he stares and stares and stares and gets sacked in bounds with, you know, 30 seconds left. And they, the Titans had just used a timeout. So like they had to use their last timeout there, you know, that that's a, a play you can't have. I mean, that can't happen. And all you had to do is throw the ball away and, you know, live to fight another day. And that that's something that he should know from college. Like, that's not a new thing that's changed in the NFL. Like, that's that's just an instinct thing. But all in all, I think it was fine. I think he missed a lot of plays. And I've been pretty vocal about it on, you know, Twitter and stuff that th- there were a lot of plays that he left on the table. And people don't go back and watch preseason games, but people don't go back and watch playoff games either. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't expect everybody to see everything the same way, but I would encourage everybody to go. There's a, um, let me see who, uh, who posted that video. There's a video, a four minute video that everybody should go check out. And, uh, it's essentially like all the plays that could have been thrown to Traylon Burks that just weren't thrown there. And, uh, it's by uh, their name on uh, YouTube or the YouTube account is the football scout. And I mean, if you search Traylon Burks, like it, you, you, it comes up first. So don't, don't, you don't have to look too hard, but it's a four minute video and it shows all the times that, you know, especially in deep routes that there were these really nice routes where he showed uh, Traylon Burks showed some nuance and really kind of figured out exactly how to attack whatever coverage that they were facing. And, Malik Willis just doesn't even look his way, and that that's that's pretty aggravating. But you know, it's it, for a first game against a team that takes preseason very seriously. Uh, you know, it was it was a passable grade that was exactly what you thought it would be. It's super exciting at some point points and super frustrating at other points. And you know, Vrabel even said that the reason he pulled him out was because they wanted him to have one more drive and supposedly Brable said, you know, just go out there and rip it. And it's not that he, you know, tucked the ball and ran when he did on the last play before he got taken out, but it was that he wasn't doing what he was out there to do. So if, you know, if they go out there and they say, Hey, you know, throw the ball around, like let's make some plays and you don't do that. You know, they're not going to leave you out there to get sacked and potentially hurt. Like they're going to pull you. And that's what happened. And that's, that's a fairly disappointing way for him to end that preseason game, but he's got to learn that that's, you know, that's part of the job. Like that's what got Mariota, you know, essentially run off by Mike Vrabel was that, you know, he just wasn't, 
he was so afraid of throwing interceptions that he wasn't giving his guys chances to make plays. And you don't want to turn the ball over. And ball security is always going to be something that every coach, but Brable specifically preaches. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you have all these, you have Racy McMatt, you have these big, tall receivers, and you have like Chickaconquo out there and Haskins, who's doing well, you know, catching the ball. Like, you got to give your guys a chance to make plays. And if you're not doing that, you know, in a preseason game, it's okay for you not to be out there. So I, I'm interested to see what happens next with him, but I think it's the perfect video or perfect cut up to go back and look at and say, like, okay, this is why he has promise, but it's also why he's not ready for 2022 and 2023 is still a wait and see process. I'm glad you brought up Mariota because I was going to bring him up too. I, I think it was the exact thing that we kind of panned as Mariota's biggest negative. Like he just would not pull the trigger on a lot of these 50-50 plays that so many other quarterbacks consistently trust their receivers to make. Like we we saw it with Rodgers and Devontae Adams all the time. Uh, we saw it with Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, um, you know, Julio Jones on the Falcons, like – you just have to let your guys make plays sometimes. And especially when you're considering that, he, like you mentioned it also, like he had Traylon Burks out there. He had Chigo Conquo out there. Kyle Phillips was out there. Like these guys are better than the Ravens backups and, and, and they could beat their guys. And they were beating their guys, particularly Traylon Burks, who we're going to talk about in a second. But Malik Willis just wasn't giving them the opportunity to do so. It, to me, it's a negative, uh, but I also like don't want him out there throwing interceptions, you know. So it's kind of like it's a little bit of both sides. You kind of pick your poison, but I just would have liked to see him be a little less gun shy and, and take more chances, especially because it was a preseason game. Like it doesn't matter. Like he doesn't really have anything to lose, um, other than you know maybe the the backup job. That's really all he's competing for, and considering how awful Logan Woodside looked uh, on those interceptions, especially the first one. I, I don't think he has anything to worry about. So I'm hoping that in the second game, he's going to come out, be a little more aggressive. I think the coaches are kind of going to instill it in him and tell him, look, man, you, you have literally nothing to lose. Just go out there, have fun, throw the ball to your guys, uh, throw some jump balls and, and let's see what happens. Because after all, it's just preseason um, and you kind of have to get used to it because that's the way you're going to win games in the regular season. You can't just run all the time. So, yeah, well, I, I mean, I, go and ahead. Let me, let me also say this. Like, I think that the starting uh, Malik Willis makes all the sense in the world in the preseason. Like, preseason game three, I, like, I'm not convinced he shouldn't get every snap because it, the way you have to look at it is – Okay. He needs if, it. He needs well, reps. It, yeah, and if your entire thing is, okay, Woodside, the best thing about Woodside is you can drop him in the offense whenever you need to, and he's, you know, he knows it so well that he can, you know, instantly, like, give you a bigger or a more consistent product than Malik Willis. If that's your argument, then he shouldn't need preseason games because he's a guy who's supposed to be able to go from not playing – not you know, being on the field for three months to start in the next week if you need him to. And if that's true, then why is he, in, you know, what is he going to give you in the preseason other than looks for some of the wide receivers and skill position players? So 
by you know by that by if all those things are true then the most valuable way to use your preseason is give uh, Malik Willis as many reps as you possibly can because he needs to understand what he's seeing and he's not going to have those for the next you know five months so he he needs to see what it's like in live action tackling like his throw to Chickaconquo like where he hung him out to dry like people are like oh Chick should have caught that it's like no like Chig's not in a no contact jersey like he would have gotten his head taken off by that safety and you know the safety gets uh, you know a flag but uh, you know now Chigakonko has to miss uh, you know all these training camp joint practices and all that so like it was not worth it for a Conquo to go out there and lay out and die for that ball so you know he needs to understand that w- where the windows are, where you can't throw it because you're throwing a hospital ball, like all these things. And the only way to do that with this sort of speed is to play him in preseason. And uh, again, if if the only thing that because the, there's no argument for Woodside other than the fact that he's going to be a C minus every time you put him on the field and he's going to be that way, whether you do it in preseason or whether you do that in January. And if he can't do that, then you need to find somebody else who can because there are other people who can do better than him, you know, just in terms of being, a, you know, a steady guy. So by, by that token, there's no reason why Willis should ever come off the field. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm overly negative on Willis. Like, I, I'm very aware that he was a third-round pick. He fell for a reason. He played at Liberty. He's a rookie. Like these, these, these are the growing pains that we're gonna have to go through. All in all, I think it went okay. Like I think, I think it could have gone a lot worse given um, the the how much he has to go until he's like you know NFL starter ready. But I mean, so, a lot of the plays that he had were really exciting, and you saw some of the tools um, that enticed the Titans. So that's good. I mean, I would rather see that version of Malik Willis if Tannehill. Um, can't start a game during the regular season than whatever wor- version of, of Woodside we're going to get, to be honest. But, I mean, maybe that's just a personal taste. Um, so let's talk about Traylon Burks because I feel like there was a lot of neg- negativity around him um, during and after this game. And then the All-22 comes out, and you mentioned the video, the four-minute cut-up, um from i think it was the football scout on youtube and we really implore you to to go watch it um we'll link to it on on twitter just so you guys know what we're talking about but man he was he was getting open at will it it seemed at least on i don't know five or six plays that could have gone for really big gains two of them could have even been touchdowns if malik willis could have find him it's um it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there's already a narrative about Traylon Burks out there. It's all negative um, because of the offseason conditioning thing. Then he has a bad box score line in this game, and none of it was his fault. And the ne- the negative narrative keeps building, but if you go back and look, you kind of see that there's a lot to be you know excited about. Yeah, like— it it was a really weird sort of uh, night for him because, like you said, like go everybody should pause this right now and go watch that four minute video of what Burks did because it, if you don't believe me, then you'll believe it when you see it. Uh, 
And it's not plays where, you know, Malik Willis has already turned his back to the, you know, it's not, it's not plays where it was an impossible throw to make or even a difficult throw to make. It's just Malik Willis is either not seeing it because he's stuck on a different read or he's not throwing it because he just doesn't throw with the anticipation yet. And it's hard to throw with anticipation with, uh, First of all, with a receiver you haven't worked with a lot because Burks has been with the first and second team a lot more than he's been with the third team. And it's also difficult when, you know, you might have Burks, Willis, and Racy one play, and then Mason Kinsey, Josh Malone, and, uh, you know, Godwin in the next play. It's like when you have so much change, it's hard to throw with anticipation because everybody doesn't run the same exact route, the same exact way, at the same exact speed. Uh, so that part I'm not putting on Willis. What 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 everybody should take away from this video is that Burks is doing the correct things and he's doing the things you want to see before the ball is thrown to him. And that once there's a more experienced quarterback with better chemistry in, say, Ryan Tannehill, that these plays are there to be made. Um, so that's it's important to see those. But the weird thing is, you know, you got a jet sweep to Traylon Burks and cool. Like you get five yards off of that. You know, he he pushes a guy to the ground before a second one comes and knocks him out of bounds. And that's like, that's great. That's what you want to see. But other than that, there wasn't any plays designed for Traylon Burks. There was no quick screen to him. There was no like, you know, hit your hit your back foot on the third step and then throw it like that. There seemed to be no plays designed for him with Malik Willis. And I guess the reason why that is, is because you don't want to teach Malik Willis to stare down receivers and like to just focus on one particular person on a play, which like, OK, like, I guess if if you're trying to build up Willis, that's that's one way to do it. And, you know, you want to make it as realistic as possible so he can get through his reads but at the same time you also basically rob Traylon Burks of the opportunity to you know get those you know get those premium reps and really learn and get better in the preseason but they also made him play like into the fourth quarter and he was playing special teams and he was run blocking and doing and I thought he did uh, I thought I don't think there was anybody that any wide receiver that was out there that was better run blocking than he was, you know, I, I don't know if it was the best, you know, for a regular season, but he was doing the right things and he was pushing defensive backs inside and he was, you know, maintaining leverage and all that. And, you know, the most successful run of the day, or I guess at least in the first half was behind him uh, on, on the right side when he came up and, you know, basically checked in, I think it was the in man line of scrimmage was a, a linebacker. Um, but it may have been a slot corner. But, you know, once he sees he's inside, he makes the smart move to go to the safety and he, you know, gets a body on him. And that's, you know, that's a really heads up place. So you're not just looking at a guy and then going in and getting a holding call for no reason. Like he, he did what he was supposed to do. And then it set up Chestnut for his best play. So all that to say, like Mike Brable coming out and saying that, you know, Traylon Burks was inconsistent and then understand like Rob Moore with who, whether he believes it or not, his job is to agree with the head coach. And so there was no world where after he said that, that Rob Moore was going to come out and say, actually, you know, Burks did a great job and he wasn't inconsistent. So I don't view that as validation. I view that as solidarity between the coaching staff, but I don't know what Rabel was wanting. Like, 
I don't know if there's plays where uh, he's supposed to do something else. Like he's supposed like, but when you watch him, it's not like he's running bad, you know, rounded routes or anything like that. It's not like he's not giving effort in the running game. He's playing on special teams and, you know, doing fine there. So uh, I don't know what, what the goal was for him uh, on Thursday, if it wasn't what you saw. And then the one time there was a concerted effort to get him a deep pass, it was when Woodside was in and Woodside throws it directly to the safety when it's, it's a cover one and all he had, all Woodside has to do is throw it to the back right pylon. And, uh, you know, Burks has seven yards of separation between him and anybody else, but because he throws it into the safety, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's a contested pass that shouldn't be contested. And, you know, it's it's easier for the safety to make a play, and Burke still almost comes down with a catch. So, I, I don't know. I thought that was a very strange day, and I don't know why people seem to have not watched it and seen the same thing, other than the fact that you watch the game and you're so enthralled with Malik Willis that by the time you look up, you look at the box score and realize that Traylon Burks hasn't caught a pass yet. And I think that's what happened to most people. But I, I would encourage anybody listening who hadn't rewatched it and doesn't want to rewatch it to go watch that video. And also uh, next week against Tampa Bay, what just watch him independent of who's at quarterback and just watch him on a few plays and watch how he releases and does all that. Because uh, you should be impressed with what he's shown in training camp already. But if you weren't, then you can see it against live competition in these games. Yeah, and man, I specifically remember it, like he was l- lined up on the left side, and he had a chance. Um, he was like holding off the the cornerback on his way to the end zone on on a on a route, and Willis kind of looked at him, but he just didn't pull the trigger. And, and I don't want to keep being negative towards Willis, but that's exactly the kind of play that Burks came down with at Arkansas, and, and that's what had us so excited because. Uh, Aside from all the after the catch explosive ability stuff, he was also a really good contested catch receiver, and we saw him come down with a lot of these jump balls. So, I hopefully Tannehill um, during the regular season actually gives him the opportunity uh, to come down with some of these. I mean, even on the wood side throw that that was I mean it was a terrible throw, but we saw like he jumped up there. Um, he almost mossed the safety like he could have come down with it and we would have we, we would be having a completely different discussion, um, even though it was a terrible throw um, to begin with. But um, what man, I, I don't want to be so negative about Woodside, but Woodside, I, I feel like he knows every single play and knows where every player is going to be, knows where every route is going. So he's just going to throw it exactly where the route is going, regardless of whether there's a defender there. Um, and, yeah. oh, man, that is uh, not not great. Not what you want in your backup no. quarterback. But um, anyway, just to kind of finish up on Traylon Burks, um, I even had in my notes um, that he was run blocking really hard. Let You mentioned on that long chestnut run, like he was hounding uh, his defensive back. It, it happened on a couple of other occasions, too. Um, so I don't know why I saw some tweets like questioning his effort. Maybe maybe some of the routes weren't weren't great, and maybe he could have given more effort. But when you're getting open consistently and you're not getting thrown the ball to you, you're gonna start taking routes off. Like every single wide receiver is the same way. You know, it, it is what it is. It, it, 
it, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating for the receiver because you know you should be getting the ball, um, and, and it's not coming to you. So I don't know if there were any effort concerns um, about that. Like I, I I don't think it's very um, credible. Uh, I honestly like I came away with this from this game pretty optimistic about not only Burks but the receiver room in general because I thought Racy McMath kind of continued his 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 offseason hype Kyle Phillips looked solid he didn't get any targets but he looked the same as he has in camp uh Chigakwanko looked solid not receiver but you know same type of um same type of thing and we've seen so many good reports and videos of Robert Woods kind of working his back working his way back from the ACL injury and he looks really good looks like he's going to be ready for the regular season so I'm excited. Like I, I, I think I, I think the receiver room is going to be better than than we kind of anticipated, um, and I feel pretty comfortable with them as a whole. Yeah, it's you know without Hooper, without Robert Woods, like without Nick Westbrook, Kikina, like basically without the starters, like the the other people did enough to be excited. And the good thing is it looks like this is going to be a year where we don't have to worry about, you know, a Cam Batson where it's like somebody who they tell you is really good on special teams, even though they're not doing anything on special teams and they're not making any visible, tangible impact. Like it seems like Racy McMath might be that guy. Like I think he had two tackles. I think one was on an interception. One was on uh special teams. And, you know, if he's going down and making tackles on special teams and then also catching deep passes and returning the ball a little bit, like that's enough utility to keep him active, even if you only want to play him on offense eight snaps a game. But that's good because it means that, you know, the the Titans have always made sure to tr- that they try to keep their wide receivers in bubble wrap. Like even before last year, it's like you get, I think, uh, AJ Brown had something like four or five games in his career where he had more than 90% of the snaps. And that's because the Titans just rest their receivers. Like they rotate them in and out all the time. So if you, if you know that going into it, the better your quote unquote other wide receiver, that's going to be on the field, the better that he, or you know, you want that guy to be as good as possible so that you're not ending up with some guy who's only on the team because he can catch punts it taking 10 to 15 reps of the first team offense. Cause that just means you're playing with your hand tied behind your back on those plays. So I, I think you should be encouraged with what you've seen so far. And I think the guys that aren't playing are even better. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, let's go through some winners and losers from this game to kind of wrap up um, our recap. I, I for me I think I think the biggest loser is Woodside. Uh, I, I hate to keep harping on him, but he really didn't do anything to to cement his play his spot as the backup. Even though Willis wasn't amazing, he at least gave you something different. Um, and Woodside throwing those two interceptions and really just not getting anything going. I know he was playing with with the third string, fourth string, but you got to do something to at least show the coaching staff that that, that you can be anything other than uh, a low-level game manager, and I really don't think he did. Um, 
another loser in, in my opinion i i don't know i it, the, the aj aj Moore, the 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 safety he's like a special teams guy but he was playing a good amount uh, on the defensive side of the ball i just i don't i don't understand what they see in him I, he's always looking the wrong way, has no awareness, is missing tackles, doesn't really do anything positive for the team. And Theo Jackson just looked way better than him. And I, I don't see any reason that to keep A.J. Moore over Theo Jackson um, at this point. But, you know, the coaching staff always seems to love these types of <laughs> these types of players. Um, I also didn't like what I saw from Chance Campbell, the the sixth sixth round uh, linebacker from Ole Miss. Um, he was too slow on a lot of these plays. Um, he just couldn't make it to the edge. And then Jack Gibbons comes in, uh, number 50. He's like the third string, maybe fourth string linebacker. He just looked way quicker than him. So not not great news for Campbell. And as for some winners for me, uh, we already talked about Racy McMath a little bit. He just continued um, his really strong training camp, had the catch, uh, the long catch. Then he had a good kick return as well. Um, I, I think he's he's locked in as as one of the receivers and as a core special teamer. Um, in terms of other winners, don't really not not too many um, other ones. I, I think Theo Jackson did did, did well, and, and I think he's um, he's got a good step up on some of the other backup safeties. Yeah, I, I think I think that's those are all good calls. Um, Really, the linebackers in general, like, I mean, the Jones and uh, Campbell, like, yeah, they were they were underwhelming. Like, they basically played so slow that they had to move Rashad Weaver out to, like, a wide nine because they weren't fast enough to get to the outside and make a play. And that that hurts because that's what the Titans, you know, value in linebackers. And that's why Cunningham, Monty Rice, and... uh uh, David Long are all like such good fits because they are so fast flow. And, you know, even if Cunningham's not as fast as the other two, he's got a longer reach. So it kind of doesn't matter as much, but that, that hurts those guys and, you know, their chance to make the roster or their chance to not be redundant with each other. Uh, I think uh, Anini, like David Anini, the undrafted free agent from uh, Houston, like, I, it's I, I distinctly remember hearing Paul Kaharski talk about how, you know, he hadn't shown anything in practice and they couldn't figure out why he was the highest paid undrafted free agent in the Titans class. And, I, it, you know, it's not like his name was popular or anything like that, but then he ends up with two sacks and like a strip fumble, like in, in the game in the fourth quarter. And it's like, okay, like now I can kind of see why that makes sense. So you know, maybe he gets more playing time and maybe he gets more chances. And I, I don't know if he makes the roster, but he might be a preseason guy that they like and they want to have close in case something happens. So that that was good. Um, I think Murchison probably got hurt by this game. And I think I think we're just counting the days until he's cut and either somewhere else or on a practice squad or uh, in Atlanta with all the other, you know, misfit toys from uh the defense and tight end room and stuff. So other than that, I don't think there's really Corey Levin had a good game, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't know if a lot of people watch, but he, he seems to be the backup right guard. And he also seems to be the backup center. And 
assuming that Jamarco Jones makes the team, he'll have the left guard spot. He'll be backing up that spot. But I think Corey Levin could do left guard if he needed to. And I think that's enough to where it, it will give him a good shot to make the roster. And I think it's important. Like, I think they need somebody who's behind Nate Davis and behind Ben Jones who can come in and play if they need to because – you know, they're, they're so thin there and they don't have to lean on Munyer who has been waived with an IR settlement, I believe, but it's good to not have to, you know, worry about Munyer coming in. So, you know, that I don't think anybody else really stood out positively or negatively in a way that deserves, you know, an exceptional mention, but it, it's hard because, you know, the third and the fourth quarter were so dominated by people that we probably will never talk about again. Um, but you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see if anybody else makes a splash, but th- those were the guys that stood out in that game to me. Yep. Well, the Titans have another preseason game coming up, I believe on August 20th against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady won't be playing in that game. He's on like an extended absence. No one really knows what's going on. They say it's not a family emergency, but I don't know. There's speculation out there that his wife is is pissed at him for coming back and playing football. I don't know what's going on, um, but he won't be playing against the tight ends. Mike Evans won't be playing either. I don't think he had a hamstring injury pop up last week. Chris Godwin coming back from an injury. We won't see him either. Um, really not sure how many Buccaneers starters are going to play in this game. Um, but it doesn't really matter. I, I mean, there's stuff that we want to see from the tight ends um, that might not have anything to do with the other team. So what are some of the things that, that you want to see uh, against the Buccaneers that maybe you didn't see in this game or, or you want to see some players improve? Well, I'm going to use, I'm going to lump uh, the joint practices in with the game just, just for fun. And I, I think one of the things that I want to see is the starters. Like, I think, I think this is a good chance to see, like, you know, Taylor Lewan, who's talked about hating uh, joint practices. So I would imagine he's going to get a fair number of reps there. And, you know, you get to see the starting offensive line and you get to actually see these guys mix and match with without saying like, OK, you know, Dylan Radins is, is right guard here is right tackle here. But the right guard is the third string right guard or, you know, or what like there's no qualifications. It's just, OK, these are your starters you know, for the most part, let's see if they can hack it and let's see what they do. Um, so that'll be interesting. I, I want to see, you know, selfishly and, you know, I think understandably, I want to see the Titans defensive backs just eat these uh, Bucks wide receivers when they don't have Tom Brady and when they're without Mike Evans. Like, I want to see those guys, like, I want to see, the Titans defensive backs who are young and still have a lot to prove, but that have that elite pedigree and that, you know, they've got all the talent in the world in that, you know, in those defensive back rooms. So I'd love to see them actually like step up and say, you know, wide receiver is the Bucks best position. We're going to take ownership of our group and we're going to make it a priority to stop them and be emphatic about it when we do. And and I, I would really like to see that. I honestly don't even know if I want to see Jeffrey Simmons because uh, Jensen, the Bucks starting center, 
you know, got hurt and he's, I believe he's out for the year. So like, you know, obviously you're going against a backup and then their backup had like hamstring cramps or something so bad that he had to be carted off last week. So like, was it Hainsey? Hainsey got injured as well, didn't he? I I think that's the backup center, but I'm not. Their O-line is, is kind of in shambles. It's like not great. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know, like, I don't want some try-hard undrafted free agent center coming in and trying to like cut Jeffrey Simmons on the backside and like like I don't I don't I don't want somebody trying to be a hero in these practices to make a, make the roster and then one of the guys that that it's important get hurt. So I, I'm not even sure if I want to see Jeffrey Simmons like Derrick Henry like I get because he kind of needs to get hit some because he's not doing anything in practice really like. I, I would like for him to take some 11 on 11 snaps. So he's not going into the season, just completely rusty and going from, you know, one game in the last 10 months to, okay, now you've got to carry the ball 30 times because as much as everybody says like, uh, you know, it's Derrick Henry, he's built different. It's like, okay, but then be built a little bit different in the, in the fall, like in the early fall and in the late summer so that I don't have to worry so much about whether you're going to be still built different this year. Like, Let's see, you know, just do a little. I don't need him to carry it 40 times, but I'd like to see him and the first team offense basically all get together and, you know, do football. Like, you know, it's like I don't I don't want to have to do the mental math in my head to figure out what he's going to look like when he's with the first team. Um, and then something that got uh, Dylan Raiden's last year and it it, it kind of hurt the perception of him for an entire season because. He played, I, I believe he played more snaps than any tackle in preseason last year uh, for any team. And he basically started like three whole games and he did he did really well. Like he did really well in the first two games. And then the third game of the season, they uh, practiced against Tampa. Bay. I believe this is what happened. It's either it's either like this or the third game was good and the second game had this. But there was a two minute drill where uh, uh, try on the, their first round rookie. Like after, you know, after again, Raidens had gotten all those snaps in the, in the preseason in Florida and that heat during camp, like, you know, he was taking a bunch of snaps and he went out there and he like was clearly like gassed. Like he just didn't have his fastball. And uh, he had one play where he got, you know, basically run over by uh try on. And everybody remembers the preseason. Like it was 80 plays of that when it was really, 220 plays of really solid to good performance and then that one thing that just bounces around in people's heads so that's a long way of me saying I want to see how some of these younger guys deal with having to carry the load because they're not going to make the veterans you know practice at the same rate they make the rookies and the young guys and the backups like those guys are going to have to prove that you know, they deserve a spot and those guys are probably going to have to pull double duty and play a lot in the preseason game too. So we'll, we'll see how, you know, how those guys do. And if anybody just turns out to be like an iron man and makes their way all the way through and doesn't show any of that fatigue. But, you know, if you can do that, like Elijah Molden, I think was that guy for the Titans last year. Like he had some tough reps, but then he also came out in the game and had like a sack and it had a, had a couple of really nice like pass deflections and looked really good. And that was sort of the start of him earning that slot job as a rookie. So we'll, we'll see if anybody comes out and does that this year, but that's, that's the biggest thing on a macro level that I want to see is which of those guys can really hang and, and be that standout. 
I agree. I think the practices are more important than the actual game itself because I don't know how many of these starters are actually going to play in the game, but a lot of them are going to be at those joint practices, um, and that's where you kind of have those one-on-one situations and some of these positions that really kind of make you as a player. Um, other than the obvious Blaine Gabbert, Julio Jones, Logan Ryan, uh, Revenge Tour, um, which I'm interested, obviously, uh, to see. Blaine Gabbert, not really, but Julio and Logan Ryan will be interesting. Um, I, I'm very intrigued by the matchup between the Titans interior offensive line, particularly a left guard with Aaron Brewer and Jamarco Jones, assuming they're still in competition uh, at that spot. A lot of they're going to be going up against Vita Vea, Akeem Hicks, Nunez Roaches, Pat O'Connor, some of these really solid um, nose tackles, not nose tackles, defensive tackles um, that really get just a lot of push on the inside, especially in one-on-one situations. So, I think it's a pretty good trial by fire in these practices for them. Um, and if they come out, you know, winning, you know, at least half of those half of those battles, I think you feel pretty good about either one of them. So uh, that'll def- definitely be interesting to see. Um, in terms of the game, I, I like I don't know. I, I'd like to see, like I mentioned before, I'd like to see Mal- Malik Willis kind of take more chances um, and continue his development. Uh, but there really isn't anything other than that that, that that's too outstanding um, in, in terms of what we're expecting or, or what we'd really want to see. Um, I don't think Derrick Henry's going to play in this game, right? Did they say he's not going to play in any of the games? No, yeah, he's not playing. Any, I, I don't know if they've officially come out and said it, but they, they've done everything except say that he's not playing. Like, yeah. He and Tannehill, I don't think, have any shot of playing in the actual games. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing them for a drive, but I don't care. It really, I don't think it matters. Um, but we'll see. Maybe they surprise us. Maybe they get the whole the whole starting offense out there. <laughs> Who knows with Brable uh, at this point. He might do anything. Um, so we're going to take a, a another ad break, and then we're going to come back and wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. We're back here with No Nonsense, a Tennessee Times podcast, and we are going to wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Will, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad we started with mine because I think it kind of piggybacks off of our last segment pretty well. So I went back and I was trying to look at, you know, hot takes that may have come out uh, during the joint practices last year with the Titans and Bucks, and uh, I found one that I think is a really – good sort of time capsule of why when you get a lot of your starters rested and you get beat writers who are focused on like one particular side of the ball because just as as sort of context usually what happens is there's two fields that they use and one of them is will be the bucks offense versus the titans defense and then they'll flip it for the other one so it's not like they're trying to share a field like they're just doing their work like that And so last year, uh, John Ledyard uh, of, I don't know if he's with Pewter Report or or what he's doing exactly, but he was uh, covering the Titans defense and the Bucks offense. Now, remember, like the Titans defense didn't necessarily bring everybody like they brought they brought some backups and um, they, they think they left like. I think they brought Simmons, but I don't think they brought um, Danico Autry. And I think Bud Dupree was still 
like banged up and recovering. So I think they had some of their guys missing to be fair, but uh, the, the tweet that John Ledger had was the Titans. I was most impressed by today were number one, Caleb Farley, number two, Jayon Brown, number three, Laurel Murchison. And it's a great example of why sometimes you feel like these beat writers will fall in love with somebody in their own camp. And then it's like, we all know what Laurel Murchison is like in what, you know, and what he did last year and kind of what he's been, which is like a fringe player who had potential early, but never really seemed to take that step. So he, you know, he was probably just going against a third string guy that he was whooping up on. And then Jayon Brown, like, you know, we like Jayon Brown. We've loved Jayon Brown for a long time, but he, ever since he got injured in, I think 2019, uh, or, or after he was injured and then came back in 2019, like he just didn't really have the same fastball was never the same guy. And then Caleb Farley, like that's a super weird choice because he was so raw that last year, like, I mean, you could watch him at any point and you could see it's like, okay, he's got like sort of like Malik Willis, where it's like, he's got these physical tools where if you think you're behind him and the ball's in the air, he's going to close faster than your receiver can outrun. And he's going to use his long arms to knock passes away. But by no means was he, you know, technically efficient yet or refined. And uh, to have him and not, you know, not pick Christian Fulton or Elijah Molden or Janoris Jenkins or, you know, Amani Hooker or Kevin Byer, like all these other guys who are, were starters last year and who were really, really good. Or like I said, if Jeffrey Simmons was there to not say Jeffrey Simmons, like, I I don't know, like it's just sort of a great example of don't put too much stock into what, you know, people come away with from these joint practices, especially if they're not people who cover, you know, the Titans and know what they're actually talking about. Yeah. Also football sometimes is very subjective. Like, a player might look really good to one person, and then the other person is like, damn, this guy sucks. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. how it is. And, uh, yeah, especially, like you said, when it's someone who doesn't watch the Titans uh, very often. And we know other other analysts don't like to watch the Titans, period. Um, so, yeah, so take, take most of the reports that come out of these joint practices – with a grain of salt, unless, of course, they confirm your priors, then definitely um, it's all very accurate information. Uh, I'm going to finish up with my stop the nonsense. It, this is just yet another uh, another one in a long, long line of PFF stinks um, propaganda. Like, I, I don't know what else we have to do to get these guys canceled. So... Austin Gale, who previously worked for PFF, by the way, um, I think he works for Ringer now, um, put up a clip. It was of Agbanya Karankwo kind of working uh, tra- Trevor Penning, the Saints' uh, first-round uh, left tackle, which in itself is hilarious because we had that report come out uh, on Penning getting kicked out of practice because he's starting fights with all of his teammates. Um, and that's what everyone like praised him for in the in the draft process. Oh, he's got a mean streak. He's he's so he's so cool. That's exactly what you want out of a tackle, which 
No, no, I mean, not necessarily. It's probably just going to lead to penalties at the next level. But the fact that he's getting worked by Okoronkwo, who I like Okoronkwo, but it's not like he's, you know, Vaughn Miller. um, That's pretty funny. But then uh, we we get some follow-up tweets uh, in the replies um, with Penning's PFF grade from this game, only only from this game. His overall was an 82.6. Which okay, like you would say, that's that's pretty good. Um, but then you look at the separate grading systems, and his run blocking grade was a ninety four point eight, but his pass blocking grade was a twenty eight point six. So someone do the math on that and explain how that adds up to eighty two point six. And you can't say that you know maybe he played more run blocking run blocking snap snaps. I can't talk. He didn't. He played 29 run block snaps and then 28 pass block snaps. So this makes absolutely no sense. I mean, they even say he gave he had a penalty, first of all. He gave up a sack, he gave up a hit, and he gave up five total pressures. So how is his overall grade at 82.6, which by the way, in the PFF like grading system, that's almost like a Pro Bowl level. Uh, type of player so I, I i don't know i don't know what's going on i this same thing happened with questenberry last year if you guys remember um where he had like a 90 plus run blocking grade to go from 80 but he had given up the most sacks in the entire league but his overall was still like oh he was the best right tackle in the league so just ridiculous just another uh, more evidence to support the fact that we should not take pff seriously uh in any way no, and like, you know, you could argue it's like, oh, maybe it was a small sample size. So like they reward, you know, doing a lot like doing a cumulative thing, like where it's like if you have one bad pass block, it's not as good as a blah, blah, blah. Like, but you're like, you're right. Like they had 29 run block snaps and 28 pass blocks, which means there's 57 blocks. Like it's not like it was it was a full game's worth. And it's just. I, I don't know. It's it's very aggravating because people continue to use that instead of their own eyes. And they're like, okay, well, you know, he must have had a pretty good day. Like PFF said he was their highest graded run blocker, uh, you know, in X amount of years. Because it, people have to remember PFF is just like it's just a marketing company. Like they they watch football kind of, but their main business is trying to get you to use their analytics numbers and now that it's shorthand it's like they don't they don't have to put any effort in they can just assign whatever grades they want and they've got so many people using their you know there's no competitor for them so they've got so many people using their system and their numbers that doesn't matter if they're accurate or not they're what you're going to use so it's frustrating because at this point they've gotten too big to be called out effectively because they've gotten past the point of Karen like that. They, they will never look at those numbers critically again, like that. That's, you know, they would never change a number anyway. And they don't want you to like, the more you talk bad about their product on Twitter, the more, you know, eyes they get on their product. And then when they say something that you finally agree with, people are going to retweet it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And their social media accounts are like, pure clickbait at this point like just shock value ridiculous statements it's um it's almost like it's done by ai 
where it's just like, <laughs> right. Who's going to stop this offense? And it's like, yeah, you yeah, believe that this player had this rating. Then it's like, it'll be like a gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal. And it's like the top three rookies from this week. And then it's like, it'll be like a long snapper, a quarterback who played like who played terribly and like a third string running back who got like three carries. And then they're like, they just want you to click and go look up the, you know, go look at their numbers and see where your favorite player was. And it's just like, whatever, <laughs> like, just so aggravating at this point. Yeah. I, I just went through some of their tweets and one of them was Drew Locke is cooking with a clip from a preseason game in the third quarter. So that's, that's all you need to know. Uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, hopefully the Titans can get back to their winning ways against the Buccaneers in their next preseason game. Um, hopefully we don't suffer too many injuries. Um, we actually didn't talk about injuries. I, I think the only one was Chris Jackson. Um, not sure on his status. We all know Brable is very um, low-key about injuries and doesn't divulge too much information. But hopefully he's okay, um, and hopefully the Titans can stay healthy. Um after this Bucks game. So thanks for tuning in. Um, and remember to always stop the nonsense. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.